I'm just going to jump into the Word today. If you have your Bibles with you, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, Matthew chapter number 26, Matthew chapter number 26, we're going to read together. I am going to do my best to share with you uh, what the Lord has really put on my heart for our time together today. We'll see what the Lord has for us. It may be a little more teaching than preaching this morning, uh, but who knows, the Lord may do something that we're not expecting as well. So I want to just be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And as you're turning to Matthew chapter number 26, I want to give you one verse uh, before we read that, and that verse you will find in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. The writer simply says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. Let me read it again. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. If the Lord would help me for a few moments, we're going to share with you and along the thought, the great struggle this morning. It has been said by S.M. Lockridge some years ago, he said, in our churches now, we minimize responsibility and we emphasize privilege. I believe that is a true statement. Today we are in a place where I think all of us understand that there is a struggle between the flesh and the spirit. People desire things but yet they do not crucify the flesh and therefore the flesh becomes their biggest obstacle or their hindrance. I want to share a story with you in Matthew chapter 26 concerning Jesus himself, and I want you to really be sensitive to the struggle in this passage. It's a passage that you're familiar with, but I want to read it uh, this morning, and we're going to use it for our foundation today. If you're able, uh, I would ask you to stand for the reading of the word. If you're not, I know we've been standing a lot this morning. If you're not able, I understand. But for the reverence of the, of the word this morning, Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse number 36, we find the following. It says, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto his disciples, Sit you here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep. And he saith unto Peter, What could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he cometh to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doeth betray me. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, once again we come before you asking you to anoint this vessel today to speak your word. Lord, I'm thankful for the anointing that your word has upon it. But Lord, I ask that you would anoint this vessel that I could speak and teach and preach for a few moments today under the anointing of the Holy Ghost so that lives would be ever changed and transformed by the truth of your word. We ask this in your precious name. Amen and amen. You may be seated today. This is a familiar passage of scripture probably for most of us in this room. But we see in this passage a very vivid manner, in a very vivid manner, the struggle between the flesh of man and the spirit inside of man. Jesus himself comes to the Garden of Gethsemane and you begin to read the story and we find that the weight that he was under, if you read of this account in the other gospels, you will find that the weight that he was under became so severe and so intense, and it actually is a true medical condition that you can get into where the weight and the stress of it is so strong that you can sweat like droplets of blood from his brow. So he was in a time of great oppression in the flesh, but yet at the same time, his spirit was willing, and that's why he prayed And he simply said, Lord, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. We often read this passage of scripture and we just read through it. But when I was reading through this passage of scripture, in the middle of it, when he comes and he finds Peter, James, and John sleeping, and he speaks to Peter, we often read over and simply think that that little section is concerning about him, that the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. But inside this time of great opposition that he finds himself in, he takes a moment to teach his disciples yet again. Notice what he says to Peter. He said this in verse 41. He said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. He said, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, if you go back to the conversation that was happening earlier in this chapter, you will find where Jesus has had a conversation, says, I'm going to be betrayed. And everybody's saying, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? And it's like, no, the one that dips in the bowl with me is that's who it is. But then Peter even goes as far as to say, you know, today is the, Jesus said, tonight's the day it's going to happen. And he's like, listen, I'm never going to leave you. And Jesus said, no, by by the time the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to betray me. And he said, no, 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 no. See, Peter, his spirit was saying, I'm going to stay with you. 
but he didn't know how strong his flesh really was. I wonder, this is just how my mind works. I'll let you have a glimpse of it. It's a scary place to be sometimes. But I wonder if something would not have been altered and changed if Peter would have prayed in Gethsemane. There may have never been a rooster crowing in the manner that it did. What if? Because Jesus simply said, watch and pray. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I say that this morning to make it very clear that scripture instructs us that the church of Jesus Christ is to possess a very specific characteristic that is different than any other entity in the world. And we find it in Isaiah 56 and 7, but we also find it in Mark chapter 11, verse 17. And he taught, saying unto them, this is Jesus speaking, is it not written, referencing Isaiah 56, 7, my house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Paul reminds us in his writings by the unction of the Holy Ghost that Jesus was not just referencing an earthly building or temple, but Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. But he also writes in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. What Paul was saying is, Do you not know that you are supposed to be a house of prayer? Which brings me to the question this morning, why do so many people struggle to pray? I believe it's safe to say that many struggle in this area is because it is an area that is always met with resistance from the flesh as well as our adversary understands just how powerful people are when they pray. Anybody ever get tired when they sit down to read their Bible? Anybody ever get tired when they kneel down to pray? There's always opposition, and it is a demonic opposition as well as an opposition in the flesh because there is always this war, and that's why the Word of the Lord says that we have to pick up our cross daily, crucify the flesh, and walk after him. Now, stay with me. The Bible shows us the absolute necessity of prayer. 2 Chronicles 7, 14, most of you can quote, but let me read to you this morning, chapter, 12 through, uh, chapter 7, verse 12 through 15. It says, And the Lord appeared unto Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. And have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, 
If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes shall be open and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. Now we understand that he was talking about the temple that Solomon just built at that time. But when you transition after the cross, we're no longer talking about a physical building. We're talking about a building within the hearts and lives of men. And now we're saying where there is prayer, my eyes and my ears are attentive to that place. We can never view prayer as an option this morning, but it is one of the greatest resources, if not the greatest resource outside the Bible that a Christian can have. If there has ever been a time in recent history where we needed to experience a change in our nation, it is now. And that change will not come from a political party. It will not come through new policy. It will not come through a man or a woman uh, that does not give themselves to prayer. But when somebody will give themselves to prayer, things began to change. So this morning, I, you're probably not going to shout me down, uh, and that's okay. Uh, but I need you to understand uh, that coming here on Sunday morning is wonderful and it is necessary. We are to do that. Uh, but if there is no prayer attached to it. Uh, we're just a bunch of people doing religious activity like everybody else. Uh, we have a form. Uh, but when you and I are men and women of prayer, uh, things absolutely change uh, and they alter the course of history. Uh, I want to give you two stories. I didn't know if I was going to or not, but before I go any further in my teaching this morning, uh, I want to show you just how powerful prayer is. Uh, anybody in this room uh, ever hear of the name John Kilpatrick. I'm sure some of you have. He's a great preacher, a great minister of the gospel. He was the pastor of the church in Brownsville for the Brownsville Revival. Uh, he's pastoring a wonderful church just not too far up the road from there now in Atlanta, I believe it is. Uh, and uh, we find that when he was just a young boy, nine, 10 years old, uh, he began uh, to experience uh, God dealing with his heart and his life. Uh, they, his mama and him, they went to a little bitty church uh, and uh, she began to hear uh, uh, what he was saying. And then one day, finally, John, at a young age, 19 years old, uh, he simply says this, uh, I feel like I'm called to preach. So he goes home, tells his mom, one afternoon, the pastor, the old pastor, the little church that nobody knows exists, nobody even knows his name, uh, and didn't have all the lights, didn't have all the glamour, did, but he was just a man of God that was faithful, and his old guy, and he simply come by their house, and, and he pecks on their door and simply says this to John's mother, I heard uh, that John said uh, that he's called to preach, and she said, yep, that's what he's saying, he wants to be a minister of the gospel, and he said this, I would like to have permission uh, to come and get John every afternoon uh, as I go to the church to pray. Uh, you may have heard John tell the story, uh, but at a young age, uh, every evening, uh, that old preacher would come by his house, pick him up, take him to church, uh, and he said if he's ever going to be a minister of the gospel, uh, he has to learn how to pray. Uh, so there was a little boy. Uh, he goes uh, and he listens uh, to this old-timer 
pray. And he'd always say he'd go to the back and lay down on the floor back there and pray. But what happened uh, is it began to get into his heart. Uh, he heard this old man pray one night. Uh, and he said sometimes the men that would work in the mines at that time uh, that was getting off a second shift and those that was going in to work third shift, uh, they would mingle into the building. There'd be times of prayer. Uh, but one particular time of prayer, uh, they had all prayed and they was kind of sitting on the front row. And all of a sudden, uh, they said there was nobody else in the building other than the men that was up there. Uh, and all of a sudden, the big doors of the back of the church, they just slammed shut uh, and then they locked. Nobody around. They looked back and he said, he looked back in a time of prayer, John Kilpatrick with the others, there was an angel on that side of the door and there was an angel on that side of the door. He said, it looked like they was touching the ceiling. It was just big, strong individuals. And he said, the next thing they knew, nobody got up off the floor till the next morning when the sun began to come in. They had laid in the presence of God all night because somebody took time to pray. Now that 19-year-old boy is pastoring and has touched the world and been everywhere. But about the same time, about the same time in history, I don't know the exact age of this other individual versus John, but there was another nine-year-old boy, another part of the nation, took a Bible, put it under his hand, under his arm, and he went, told his mom and dad, he said this, I want to go see our pastor because I feel like I'm going to be a minister of the gospel. So they send this young boy and he goes and sees his pastor. I don't know the pastor's name, nor do I care to know because I don't like him too much. I'll just be honest with you. Because of the simple fact that when this nine-year-old boy come to him and he said, do you think I really got what it takes to be a preacher? This pastor, I'll use that phrase loosely, looked at that nine-year-old boy and said this, you need to set your ambition higher. You need to strive a little bit more. You need to be something better. Your goal needs to be bigger than just being a minister of the gospel. That little nine-year-old boy walked away rejected and today I will tell you that that nine-year-old boy is a man that used to be your former president in the United States of America named Bill Clinton. The effects of prayer and no prayer. I don't care whether you liked him or not, none of my business. All I'm saying is this. Look what happens when prayer is absent. You say, oh, being a president is wonderful. Yeah, maybe it is in some things. But one of the greatest calls that a man or a woman could ever serve in is sharing the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Hear me, hear me, hear me. There's a generation that's looking and watching. And the question I have for you today is are we developing a John Kilpatrick that's going to touch the world with the gospel? Are we developing a politician don't fall out with me, politicians. I'm not saying it's all bad. There's some good politicians, but I'm saying what could have his life been with that tug, that tug, that tug to be a minister of the gospel, but somebody in authority said, you need to set your goals higher. 
because the church was absent of prayer. I'll be honest with you, I've heard conversations even within my family. I can talk about my family because it's my family. My family, at times, because they've seen the struggles of ministry, has not been so encouraging for their children to take up the mantle of ministry. Shame on them, like every other family. Listen, it's the greatest thing in the world you ever do. And I'm not talking about just because you're standing here, but I'm talking about touching people out there, seeing life's changed one at a time. Listen, the greatest privilege, the greatest privilege that we can have today is to be men and women that serve the kingdom. I want to remind you today, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. One of the strategies of our enemy is to overwhelm us today with the cares of life to keep us from being positioned to use the weapons that we have at our disposal. I have to ask you this morning, and I don't want you to do it now, but I have to ask you this morning to do something, to examine your life. It's not about what I say. It's not about what anybody else says. It's not about a list of do's and don'ts, but I challenge you to look at how many hours you spend on social media platforms this week and then compare that to how much time you spend in prayer. I guarantee you, you will blush with embarrassment because we bought into the lie that it's really not that important. But can I tell you, we're not fighting in an earthly realm. We're fighting in a spiritual realm. And if prayer is not present, you are in a place of weakness and not a place of strength. We know the following concerning prayer. I'll give it to you very quickly. Prayer is a discipline, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. We also know that prayer is a time where we render homage to our heavenly Father because he is worthy of everything that we could give him, according to Psalms 108, verse number 5. We also know this, that prayer is not just us talking, but prayer is a time of conversation with God himself, and it is a time that we should look forward to. It's a time that we should be excited about. And sometimes, and I've shared this multiple times, uh, some of the greatest times of revelation in my life is when I just sit in his presence not saying anything. But we also know this, that when we pray, we are to pray in faith, according to Hebrews 11, verse number 6. Uh, we are to pray without wavering, according to James chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. We are also to pray according to God's will, according to 1 John chapter 5, 14 through 16, I believe that it is. We also are to pray to our Father, always coming to him through the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, according to Hebrews 7, 14. Those are things that we should know, but notice the effect of prayer cannot be ignored. 
whether we would stand here this morning and talk to you about Daniel, uh, talk about David, talk about Ezra, talk about Hannah, talk about Nehemiah, talk about Habakkuk, talk about Hezekiah or Jeremiah, Manoah or Moses or any other Old Testament individual that we read about, uh, we see the power of prayer. But some would simply say that, well, preacher, it's just Old Testament. Uh, but I have to respond by telling you uh, that when you get into New Testament scripture, uh, we find that prayer is at the source of every great move of God. And if there is no prayer, there cannot be a move of God. Uh, but God always honors prayer. Uh, from the conception of the church, uh, prayer has been present. Uh, if you was to read in the book of Acts chapter number one, uh, you would find that in verse number 14, it says, these all continued, talking about the 120 that went to the upper room. Uh, it says that they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication uh, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Uh, they was all there assembled together. Uh, but when you get over to chapter two, verse number one, it says, and when that day was fully come, uh, talking about the day of Pentecost, uh, they were still with one accord in one place. Uh, and we find that suddenly there came a sound from heaven uh, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Uh, and they was all filled uh, with the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Uh, can I tell you, there would not been the arrival of the Holy Spirit uh, in Jerusalem on that day uh, if there had had not been prayer been made uh, with that group of people. Uh, and we find that we see that every time in the early church uh, that there was growth, uh, it was because prayer was present. Uh, we see growth was common uh, when prayer and supplication was made uh, in a constant manner uh, in the hour of the church. In even time you look at different places in history, uh, it was when prayer was present uh, also that miracle working power was made readily available available uh, to those uh, that would put their faith and trust in him. Uh, if you was to read Acts chapter number three, uh, you will find that Peter and John went to the temple. Uh, it was the ninth hour of the day, but notice it was the hour of prayer. It was a place that they'd went continually, uh, but because of the continuous of prayer uh, on a particular day, uh, there was a man that was lame outside the gate called Beautiful uh, that had been lame on his feet from his birth. Uh, but notice Peter and John on that day, uh, because of the emboldening power of the Holy Ghost uh, of Acts chapter two, uh, and because of them being in constant relationship with their father, uh, there was no hesitation. Uh, there was no, uh, no fear or uncertainty, uh, but you find in this passage uh, that simply when Peter, who's seen, uh, seen them, he simply looked and said, uh, look on us, uh, and he gave heed unto them, uh, expecting to receive something of them, that then Peter said, uh, I don't have any silver, uh, I don't have any gold, uh, but that which I do have, I give unto you. Uh, what did he have? Uh, he had uh, the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost in his life, uh, because he had made a decision uh, to be a man of prayer. Uh, Peter, just 50 days prior uh, to the day of Pentecost, uh, he was denying God uh, because uh, he did not pray. Uh, but after he prayed and repented, uh, we find that the one that said, I don't know who he is, uh, is now proclaimed who he was, saw 3,000 people get saved, uh, and then it was added to daily. Uh, but then he gets to the gate called Beautiful, uh, and a man that had never walked at all, uh, all of a sudden uh, experienced some 
strength come to his ankle bones uh, and he began to leap and praise God uh, because of prayer. Uh, we come to the house of God Sunday morning, Wednesday night, uh, go to conference, go to revival. Uh, we'll spend uh, hundreds of dollars to go to this motel and this conference, that conference. Not against any of that. Uh, but you're never going to see a miracle. Uh, you're never going to experience the power of God uh, until you get back to a place uh, where you begin to pray uh, and say, God, I surrender my life. Uh, I surrender everything that I am, uh, everything that I ever will be. Uh, because can I tell you, uh, it's not about making it easy, uh, but it's about being who God's called us to be. Uh, quit minimizing the responsibility that's on you uh, and stop emphasizing privilege. Uh, listen, he doesn't owe us anything, uh, but we owe him everything. Uh, and a little bit of time alone with him uh, is not too much to ask. Uh, we have to get our priorities right in this hour. We see that it was then the apostles grew and matured in leadership uh, when they gave themselves to prayer uh, and the word. Uh, I wonder why we still have so many people on milk. Uh, I wonder why today we have so many people standing here uh, that's still on milk, uh, that's trying to lead people, uh, and, and they're still so immature. Uh, they don't have enough backbone to speak against sin. Uh, they condone everything. Uh, why is it that the preachers of our day uh, are so... Uh, so uh, uh, I, I don't even know if I want to go there or not, uh, but they're so sissified. Let me do it that way. That's the best way I can say it, uh, that they can't stand for nothing. Uh, is it possible uh, that they come to the house of God, they stand here and say, well, you should pray, uh, but yet they haven't prayed for six months. Uh, they just went in and printed something off Mr. Google uh, and thought, well, we'll just give that to you this week. Uh, listen, uh, there can never be growth. Uh, there can never be maturity uh, until somebody prays. Uh, it is then when you give yourself to prayer uh, that you automatically are drawn to the word uh, and when you get into the word of God uh, you cannot help but begin to grow uh, listen uh, it don't matter that your testimony is I've been saved 50 years that's wonderful uh, I'll celebrate that uh, but what I can't celebrate uh, is you've been saved 50 years and you're still on the bottle uh, and you got a generation dying and going to hell uh, because we don't go evangelize uh, we don't share the good news of the gospel uh, listen uh, the struggle is real I get that uh, but at the same time Jesus gives us the recipe uh, he says pray uh, that you will not enter into temptation uh, listen uh, we got to be a praying church uh, we got to be a praying people uh, listen uh, we got to get this thing right. right and can I tell you it requires more than just praying here this is a place of prayer but I don't care how many people you grab I don't care if you shake them till they die. They ain't going to get delivered if this is the only place you're praying. I never read in scripture. It's amazing how far off we've got in the American church. I never read in scripture where Jesus goes and grabs somebody's and shakes the devil out of them. It's stupid. Can I say that? Kevin Wallace got away with it. I'll just say it. It came out before I realized it. It's crazy. We are to be like Christ. Christ simply walks up and says, go. I don't see where he fought for three hours. Listen, if it takes you three hours, 
You should have prayed three hours in private before you ever got there so he would have got glory in the open, in the public arena. Listen, how? what do you think that says about God? We have to pray for five hours to get somebody healed or delivered? Is he really that weak? No. But when a man or a woman is connected in prayer with God, you can walk in and in a moment, let's go beyond the oppression and let's go beyond the disease, but let's go to Darius's house and the dead is laying there and Jesus just walks in and touched her. Well, he was all God. He was all man as well. But I'll tell you what he did in his earthly life. Very early in the morning, before it was dawn, he went and gossiped. No. Very early in the morning before it was dawn, he went and sung a song. No. He went and checked out Google for the greatest message. No. Before it was dawn, he prayed. When he felt overwhelmed that the multitude was around him, he separated himself and he prayed. You and I today have to understand prayer is what works. If there is no prayer, there is no moving. If there is no prayer, there is going to be no rejoicing. If there is no prayer, there is going to be nothing to really celebrate because I don't care how strong you think you are, you are not more powerful than the flesh. The flesh will rule you. It will overwhelm you. It will consume you. But when you began to pray, you began to squash the flesh, you began to defeat the flesh, and when the spirit man is stronger than the fleshly man, you begin to walk in power. You begin to walk in authority. Uh, listen, uh, we deal with so much garbage today. Uh, we got our eight-year-olds, our five-year-olds that says, well, I can't make it. Uh, I'm depressed. I'm this. I'm full of anxiety. I'm full of this. I'm full of that. Uh, and the reason why they are uh, is because we let them grow up in a house uh, that is not got a house of prayer. Uh, and therefore, every demonic thing is living with the people of God today uh, and they don't know why. Uh, listen, uh, if you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God, uh, you have the power and the ability to shake that stuff off. Uh, it does not need to be present in your life. Uh, but when you as a mommy or a daddy uh, or a young person begins to give yourself to prayer, uh, that inner man becomes stronger than the fleshly man uh, and it exposes the lies of the enemy. Uh, I gotta tell somebody this morning, uh, you you are more than enough. You don't need to be somebody else. You just need to be somebody that will pray and seek God. Amen. The struggle is real. Jesus said, oh, this is, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Then he says, Peter, you gotta pray that you don't enter into temptation. But this morning it goes further. Not only did the apostles grow and mature, but we find that when they went to a place of prayer, 
and the word meaning this because they began to get bogged down by everything that was going on. That's when they appointed Stephen and the others. They appointed seven men full of the Holy Ghost to take care of the affairs of the day. Notice what the result of that was their maturity and their growing in that manner. We find in verse chapter, in chapter number six, verse four of Acts, it says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word, which calls for a great harvest. Notice verse number seven of that chapter. And the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. Why is it that there is a lack in ministry today? I know organizations, spirit-filled organizations that have done wonderful things for the Lord. They're across the nation, other parts of the world, and they don't have enough young men and women to mount the platforms because there is not a desire for ministry. See, the disciples multitude multiplied in Jerusalem greatly when those in authority gave themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Why is it that everything is pulling at this generation to be everything other than ministers of the gospel? It's because there's a lack of prayer in the house. Lack of the ministry of the word. One organization is so strapped that there was an independent group of people meeting in a house not far from here, an hour drive from here, that needed a building. And a major Pentecostal denomination, the general overseer had enough vision, enough wisdom, instead of letting that building set idle. He took that Hispanic group of people and said, I'll let you use this house and I'll work with you and help you while the organization's dying. He's visionary. And now somebody that's not even part of their organization is using their building and their facility, touching a community because their organization is failing to make it appetizing to be in ministry. God help us. I'm not saying that in a critical manner. I'm just saying, I'm not singling anyone out. I'm just simply saying, we have got to do better. Because please hear me, if prayer isn't present, the struggle will pull and pull and pull away. I'm trying to hurry. I'm closing as they come to the piano this morning. We find that Cornelius, who by the standard of his day wasn't even eligible to even talk to God. In Acts chapter 10, we find that the Lord viewed him as a devout man. Chapter 10, verse number 2 through verse number 4. Said he was a devout man and one that feared God with all of his house. And he gave much alms to the people, meaning he was very generous. But notice this, and he prayed to God always. The religious folks of the day said, oh, he's, he's just an old Gentile. He don't, I don't know who he thinks he is. He has no right. He has no position. He has no authority. 
But he prayed to God always. And notice what happens to him. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day. Isn't it ironic that it was the ninth hour of the day when Peter and John was at the gate called Beautiful? Something about that ninth hour. Don't have time to preach about that today. But about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid. And he said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Your prayers and your alms are come up for a memorial before God. I want to ask the question today. Is our generosity and our prayers, are they so consistent and so frequent that they have caught the attention of our Heavenly Father that He says, I'm going to make a memorial for you. Think about that. A Gentile of all people. Nobody said was good enough. The angel of the Lord says, because of your almsgiving and because of your prayer, always been made towards God. They've come up as a memorial before me. I'd like for somebody to raise their hand and share with me this morning about your angelic visitation you had because of your almsgiving and your prayer. I'd like to spend some more time with you today. But here's the thing. Cornelius wasn't doing it for recognition. He was doing it out of purity of his heart. And when he saw the angel of the Lord, it touched him in such a way that fear gripped his heart. He said, oh my Lord, what is this? But he understood that in the midst of the struggle of life, he needed one that was far above him. Then you find when you get to chapter 12 of the book of Acts, you'll find that Peter, who had a promise, a mandate on his life, like every one of you in this room, you got a mandate on your life, you got a purpose, you got a plan. For such a time as this, God chose to allow you and I to be present on this earth right now. He's chosen to have need of us. And Peter, even when he was doing everything that he knew he was supposed to be doing, he found himself in prison. Opposition, persecution, all around him. In the natural, he could have laid there. God, what in the world? Four quarantines of soldiers around him. He's bound. He's He's in chains and fetters. He's in the innermost parts of the prison. But we find he's laying there sleeping because there was some promises spoken over his life. He had done been through some stuff and he had done seen and he knew how faithful God was and he said, I'm just going to keep believing and trusting in my God. So in the midst of everything going on, he's laying there in the natural. I'm sure the flesh tried to rear its head. So the struggle is present. But all of a sudden, something happened outside of that prison. If you read chapter 12, you'll find that the church began to pray because they had just witnessed the persecuting death of James. 
And the king saw that it pleased the people and said, I'm going to, your Bible says that after Easter, they was going to do the same to Peter. It should say the Passover. But after Passover, we're going to do the same thing to him. And the same night that it was supposed to happen, the same day that was getting ready to break for this big slaughter of the man of God, all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord comes in and smote him a great light and said, get up, get your shoes on, get your coat on. Peter said, I didn't even know if it was really real. I thought it maybe was a dream. But I went through this ward and got to the main gate and it opened and I stepped out on a street called Straight. Then I realized that the Lord has delivered me. But what do I do now? I'm standing here in the street, no more chains on me, nothing around me. What do I do now? I think I'll go down to the church. I think I'll go down. And he went out and from outside, he heard some voices. I don't know what they were saying, but it was probably something like this that he heard echoing through the windows. Oh God, deliver Peter. Oh God, let them not slaughter him like they did the others. Oh God, we need him with us a little bit longer. I don't know what they heard. But he heard them praying. So he thought he'd just be a gentleman and knock on the door. Little Rhoda comes out and runs back in. Y'all don't need to pray for Peter anymore. He's standing outside. I think some of us modern folks was probably there in spirit maybe. Oh, that means they've already killed him. No, you're not understanding. That you're not understanding. You hear that? That that that's that's not make believe. That's that's the miracle of prayer. And they went to the door, and it says that they was astounded. They was astonished. Everything that I said brings me to this point this morning. You can let the struggle overwhelm you or you can take authority in the midst of the struggle and you can give birth to an astounding miracle working power of God in the year 2021 going into 2022. This morning, it's going to take more than a song. It's going to take more than a light. It's going to take more than Mr. Wonderful and altogether lovely. It's going to take a man or a woman that's willing to bow down and pray. I have to ask you the question this morning. What are you letting keep you from being that man or that woman? Some years ago, I met a gentleman, very wealthy, did very well in real estate in California. He had the world by the tail, so to speak. He had everything that anyone could ever want. He went to church. He was a good man. But all of a sudden, God touched his heart one day said I've called you to more than this 
that man sold his real estate business, got on a plane, flew to the Vatican, and he spent the rest of his life on his knees on the cobbled stone streets outside the Vatican praying and interceding for the Catholic Church. He's prayed for every pope. There's a photo of, I forget which pope it was that was in the hospital. There's a photo on Times Magazine several years ago and a man outside the hospital window of the pope. It's that man. His knees are shot, his legs are shot. He's, he has to have a staff to lean on. He can barely walk. But for the last many years of his life, he's gave himself to nothing more than prayer. He's been spit on, he's been kicked, he's been persecuted, he's been arrested. But finally, they got tired of arresting him and said, just leave him alone. He's not hurting anybody. He's praying for us. And today, you find him on his knees in prayer. We'll never know this side of heaven what kind of impact he's had on the lives of men and women this side of heaven. But it wasn't about the result. It was about the commission. The American church has lost its way, and I'm closing with this, I promise. And here's what I want to say to you quit doing what you're doing based on how much results you're going to get. Our job is not about the results. Preacher, don't preach for results. Singer, don't sing for results. You preach because of the call. You sing because of the call. You teach because of the call. You do what you do because of the call. I heard a preacher preaching, and he mentioned his old Sunday school teacher. And it made my mind go down memory lane. and I couldn't help but think about Sister Datha Hobbs, I couldn't help but think about Sister Roberts and how they faithfully came Sunday after Sunday and spoke into my life and they taught me the importance of the word and they taught me the importance of prayer and to put my trust in the Lord and they wasn't doing it for results. They was doing it because of the call and the commission. Now, we want results, but it's about being obedient to the call. And I find a lot of people aren't obedient to the call because the enemy comes in and the flesh comes in and says you're not good enough or you're not this or you're not that. So then we find ourselves in a place of disobedience this morning. There has to be a change. We have to once again become the house of prayer. As we stand all over the house this morning, the great struggle. 
I don't stand before you thinking that I have mastered this. I stand before you today telling you that I experience it continually. I say this this morning that Paul said it like this in Romans 12, 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Paul saying, hey, if you're going to do it, you got to do it this manner. You got to be patient. You got to rejoice in the hope of Christ, but also you got to be, you got to be continually in prayer. First Thessalonians 5 says that we are to pray without ceasing. I got so much more I could give you today, but First Peter 3 and 12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. We often think that he's talking about those that are outside of Christ, but I don't necessarily believe that's all he's talking to. Because James writes, he simply says that when you know to do good and you don't, then it becomes evil unto you. This morning, young people, if you hear anything I say, please hear this. Don't allow the flesh to rule your life. The moment you feel it starting to rise up is the moment you begin to try to defeat it. And you do that through prayer. We can no longer minimize responsibility and emphasize privilege, but we got to remove the status of privilege and we've got to begin to focus on responsibility. Please hear the word of the Lord this morning. There is power in the name of Jesus. today if we're going to reach our family if we're going to reach our community if we're going to reach our nation and if we're going to reach the nations of the world it will be because we spend time on our knees because it is in those times that we gain wisdom we gain understanding we gain knowledge we get the heart of God and we get the empowering of the Holy Ghost in our lives in such a manner that when we leave our private place and we step back into the public arena, he begins to get glory and honor with our lives. That's why today I say this, Lord, if you can use anything, use me. And I'm just calling you as I'm calling myself to a deeper place of prayer. There is no shortcut to this thing. There is a reason in Old Testament scripture that there was a horn on every corner of the altar. It was so that the sacrifice would be tied down so it could not come off the altar. We're going to have to spiritually lay ourselves on the altar. Get a rope and tie yourself down if you have to. Just make sure you stay there. 
Because when you stay there, that's when you truly begin to live. And oh, how we need to live today. Oh, how we need to shine today. Oh, how we need to touch a world today. Somebody needs to hear of Jesus today. That might be your waiter, your waitress. That might be the one working the counter wherever you end up eating today. That might be the family sitting across the room of you today. When you go and stop by and say hello or whatever you may find. It may be your coworker this week. But this morning, Jesus said the struggle's real. But you can overcome temptation. You can overcome the struggle if you pray. This morning, as they just minister in song, here's what I'm going to do. I don't know what you have need of this morning. You may have had a wonderful week. You may have had a terrible week. I don't know. All I know is this, we serve a God that loves us. And he says, if you'll come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Maybe you need rest this morning. Rest begins at the place of prayer. Maybe you need peace this morning. Peace comes at the place of prayer. Maybe you need strength this morning. It comes at the place of prayer. Maybe you need some joy. It comes at the place of prayer. This morning, won't you come? Let's find a place to pray today. May the Lord bless you this morning. Hello, everybody. We just want to come to you today and say thank you so much for taking some time to watch us. Um, we hope that this message was encouraging and a blessing to you. Um, feel free to private message us and follow us on all social media platforms that will be listed below. Thank you, guys, and have a great day.